Hey everybody, Let's see if it started. Hey everybody and welcome, this is Tabitha Arce. We're sitting here mavening, theologically mavening. That means thinking through of the different kinds of Christian ministry doctrines, the philosophy, the different kinds of leaders, including my own. We're trying to sort of call accumulate really positive doctrines, healthy doctrines from all the different kinds of moves that have made the good part of Christianity really renowned that keeps Jesus name, his name famous, not a human's, but just to really be a good representative, which is everyone equal opportunity, real respect. And Jesus is not all white. He is very Middle Eastern and he represented all the cultures especially of that day, so did Paul, the trade routes of Africa, continent, Asia, Greece, all the different places. And so we want to make sure we're just culling and getting some organic Christ following going and then seeing what an organic fellowship is in the New Testament sense. Apostle Paul said to not forsake fellowshipping with the saints. That's a Hebrew testimony you know command but it's not a legalism because paul also knew human nature he knew real powers and principalities and struggles and carnality and you know witchcraft and human nature so he also had to escape closets and he wrote to the second timothy and first timothy from such turn away style or fruit fellowships and that's what we didn't know about we didn't want to know about but there are plenty of them so we're trying to get it in a future church that no matter if you never go to church you've been around and you never go to church because you know what some things do happen but if you are in a church over a church have a church need to find a church because we need to fellowship and want a fellowship it's just now we've got to really process it qualify it make sure it's really god and then do it in a flexible manner that didn't mean you don't show up if you're committed. That didn't mean you're on their team or collaborating. It means that everybody's different and every style of person's different. Every time a fellowship is different. So you have to know there's some teaching involved and you want to be sent. I believe that God wants to send people to the right fellowship. Not just say, I'm going to join. I'm going to go because I feel guilty. That's in the American you know, legalism, it isn't guilty on a mission to be on the team. And when that mission's over, you leave. But you do it not complaining, not fault-finding, not being immature, not wish, you know, just all that. So Paul said there's one type of fellow. He says, please do fellowship with the saints. And, you know, now we've got the systems out there that is real churches, house churches, not every system is wrong, but we also have so many things because of media and the famous clubs of the day, you know, the style. So I'm trying to pull that out and say, wherever you feel it, you go. Wherever I feel it, I go. It's not my business. I will not control you, but over here we're offering a DFW Leader Ministry Online Fellowship, and it's going to be on the land. I believe there's a Charlotte, at least one, Charlotte ministry on that ground and we're here for the body as a resource and also friends we collaborate this is not competition undermining 
this is positive because we need to give people a choice because a lot of people are beaten on the head by legalism. You're not under us. They've been owned by slaves. You better show up every meeting. And, you know, a lot of person personas gone wild. I've met them literally. I really have. That's why I think with a heart of compassion. A lot of things that are in systems now in America are nouveau reach. Some of the worst clubby immune to the stranger are nouveau reach. That means they used to be poor. They used to be poor. God have blessed them, and now they're all well off and gentrified or whatever, accustomed to their gifts and blessings, and now they're like dull and asleep, canned village, which is really immune to the stranger, the atypical minister, the black person, white person. Even they could have a black system or a brown, but I'm talking usually what we found are the well, you know, systems of a certain kind. And we're trying to say, you can go there if that's where you're sent, but you've got to know that you've got to give people an option that are not into systems and game planes. That when a female walks in, she's not, and she's single, that they're not all looking for a husband. Listen, it's so disgusting. It really is. Misogyny. Like racism. So I've gotten really candid, so we want to shake it up and let people examine what is true and what is false. All right, so Paul says, don't forsake fellowshipping with the saints as some have, but now you got to risk going to where they're going to, if you want a Hebrews 10.25, obey the Lord, you have to be careful. You're going to be in a witch-watching, scanning, owning, biased, uh, whatever, if you're not careful. I'm not saying all are like that, but you've got to really be careful more than ever. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the club, and the Hollywood, you know, followers, whatever, in certain places. So we have to also expand our vision and our knowledge of theology. So yes, we fellowship with the saints, but you figure out how to do it and where, what style. Home church, house church, sitting around a barbecue, Bible study risk to fellowship where they're real respectful. However, Paul also, nobody wants you to know it's two well-kept secrets. Paul gives an escape clause of the two from such turn away, I call them friendly fire, accuser, fault-finding fellowship. And they're different styles that are mentioned in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. If they're accusers, lovers of themselves, boasters, denying the power of God. They're not trustworthy. You can't, you don't know if you're being gossiped about. They never confront. They never tell you to your face. They just talk about you to everybody else. You know, if family does that, I think it's just like undermining Judas. If a church does it, they say they represent Jesus Christ, get out, right? So if you read the whole list of the second Timothy escape clause one through five it says in the last days even God's people sad to say will be can be lovers of themselves maybe you're one maybe I'm trying not to be the other type of friendly fire fellowship from such turn away because it isn't just the beautiful music and the good gifts and all the wonderful teaching it's the what you're soaking in the bath waters the denominational, non-denominational, a traditional, or whatever it is, it's got a doctrinal bath water. 
and you're immersed in it time after time and your children are immersed in it. And when you take a bath, let's say you get in the bathtub, you like a nice hot bath, so you get in the tub, you make sure it's all clean, there's nothing that will stick to you, some weird goo that would stick to you when you get out. Now it's okay to have your rubber ducky in there and all that, but when you go in there, I've found this, that you can go in thinking, oh look, they've advertised it's a church. Oh yeah, they're talented, they're so gifted, they're just, uh, there's maybe even a black person there. I'm really careful, I don't go if they're all white, believe me, I can check that out. They're biased. I'm not then after a while, you realize, whoa, this is a system. It's got pet big eyes. It's got a pecking order. It's got everybody looking like micromanaging people or scanning you and never speaking. And you don't fit their, you feel like you're being stereotyped, racially profiled, even if they're white and you're brown and they're white or they're, they're brown and they're brown. They racially profile you. So it is turning out to be more than just a advertised fellowship church. You want to go where you are safe because see that, if you don't fit their type, if you're not the clubby type, if you're you're pure hearted like I am, if you are pure hearted, then that is starting to the different it's a cult spirit. Occult or cult. It could be brown or white. But anyway, you go in there and now you're starting to be affected your spirit, your mind, will, and emotions, your soul is being affected by this subtly. And if you are the clubby type and they, you fit in and you love the click, then you're immune to it and you're going to be fine. But if you don't, if you're real original, if you know that if something is off, you're going to have to find out the hard way and you don't want your back bitten and you don't want to be evil eye. What do you call it? If you go in and they're psychically scanning you, let's say, sad to say or if they're legalists and they're just watching you know it's a she it's a black person it's a white person whatever it is and it's a a look single that means they're up to something that means they're dull that means they're needy that means they're uh, we don't know what to do with them because we've never been single they're clueless. So there's a lot of issues. And then you run into um, racism, false teaching. I think if you find that there's a scowl, usually I found after studying true and false teaching, error in teaching, and not, you know, through the years, it's usually if there's Phariseeism, legalism, accuser issues that are going to surface, they're going to have a frown. Frown of false doctrine, the scowl of false teaching is there. So watch out. All right, so the other time that was Hebrews 10.25, Paul says, go, please don't forsake fellowshipping, but now we have criteria, you better be careful. <laughs> All right, so we have the Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5, from such turn away type fellowship, friendly fire. And then we have the First Timothy 6, 5, from such turn away fellowship, both of these commanded by Paul. Paul says, if they talk big and they say, they accuse you of not having money, that means you're not blessed from such turn away. So I have. So we want to praise all the good, healthy, really quality ministry, many times, mega and micro. I like mega and I like micro. But I'm saying right now, for some reason, when I was 24, God called me 
up in the state of Virginia back then, decades and decades ago, before all the mega and all the moves of God that are out here today that are famous, white and black and brown, uh, called me to study his body. He said, I want you to study the different kinds of leaders, their doctrine, know their doctrines, know their pet peeves, their red flag buzzwords, their music, and all that. And I thought, oh, that sounds so interesting. Yes. So by the Spirit, like Ezekiel's wield, Enoch being led, you know, the grandson of being led by the Spirit, just one day in, one out, when you're in, when you're out, the Lord led me to different places. He'd say, I want you to go to that meeting. And I'd say, all right, so I'll go. And he wanted me to go to that outpouring or that revival or that. It, it started to go out of state. I went over to Israel at one point, and I went over to um, Tulsa, Oklahoma Faith, uh, Panhandle of Florida, Central Florida many times, a lot of fire of the Holy Spirit. I had Charlotte was excellent, and now I'm in South Carolina. DFW was 15 long, long, long learning curve years. And it got me stirred up for true teaching and the difference between how do you fight, figure out false authority. So when we know that we're at the end days, the last days, maybe the last of the last days, it's so important. It's really key that you hear God, what you're supposed to do, and not be moved by anybody's pressure. Peer pressure, the tradition of mama always said, I'm not saying throw it out. I'm saying balance it with make sure you're hearing God for yourself. That's really it. Just because everybody says thousands and mega thousands and tens of mega thousands in television and everybody you know says this is the way, the truth, and the life, you better be careful. You better be careful, really. So we can tell you some fruit. The healthy fruit is that they're going to resemble what the Bible says through Paul and Jesus. Jesus first. He was the Messiah who went about doing good. He's the representation of the office prophet, Hebrews 1, 2. It says the office prophet, then we study is the, the office of the prophet in the New Testament since is modeled by Jesus. He was not a finger pointer. All right, He wasn't a misogynist. He wasn't looking a race baiter. He wasn't looking for flaws. He wasn't looking to catch somebody falling into sin. He He's the one when the men, the cagey Pharisees, they caught the woman in adultery and they threw her at his feet trying to trick Jesus. Now see, that's an LP trait. Where was the man caught in adultery? They only go after the blame. Oh, the woman's fault. The woman's fault. All right. Well, Jesus, who is a real man, you know, God man, here he was with all those men. And they were older than him. They were more experienced because he was just the new 30-year-old. And they were like, in their, you know, on up. They had been in the system of the Pharisee teaching and the law. And they were strict. So they went up and they brought the woman. They caught the woman. They loved to do that. Caught the woman, that Jezebel, that harlot. And they threw her at Jesus' feet. Well, Jesus, who fellowshiped every day with his father... He wasn't a patriarch, right? He was a savior, Messiah, respected his mother and all women, all people. So when they threw this woman at his feet, trying to get him to stone her, because they're all ready to stone the woman. That was the tradition of the law. 
they wanted to make sure that you know if Jesus did stone her, that he would get punished because he they were supposed to stone somebody, the woman caught in adultery. Probably both of them, but they didn't go after the woman, only the man. So Jesus pauses and he hears from the dad his dad. He thinks, Oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to say, Lord. You want me to say it, Father, and how to say it, what to say it. So when all these guys were standing around ready, you know, just look, we're going to can't wait to stone that woman, you know, then Jesus pauses and this is what he said. He looks at the cluster of men and he says, which one of you have never cast the first, have never sinned, you cast the first stone. Well, when I think about it, and I know men, I know life, I thought, man, Jesus is so cool. He looked at a group of men and he knew within there that somebody, at least one or more, had committed adultery. At least one or maybe all of them had lust issue at least once or twice in their life or more. Another one, they might have committed fornication. Today they'd say, you know, maybe several, two or three would have looked at porn, you know. So that isn't exactly what we hear taught. But it's a good deal because, you know, God is so fair. Jesus is fair. The Pharisees are not fair, you see. That's the issue. So I've studied it. All right, now if we're going to look at what a fellowship is supposed to be like, a general fellowship, no matter if it's Baptist, Charismatic, Catholic, non-denominational, Pentecostal, black, white, or brown, then we better look at some criteria where it's safe. Hebrews 10.25 has to be safe. I would look at Isaiah 56, verse 7, which is the Old Testament picture of fellowshipping, taking time off, carving out time to go love on God in a Sabbath time of fellowship. Now, I don't believe in being, everybody's going to do it this way, everybody's going Sunday, everybody go to, you know, that kind, you hear God. But it's carving out time in a first love relationship with the Lord that matters. And there is a blessing, it says in the Old Testament, this is a precept now, not a legalism. It says that the flavor of the fellowships would be behooved that we all model them today. Isaiah 56 verse seven organically says that there's a blessing for people who carve out time to go fellowship and take a Sabbath apart with the Lord maybe on, back then it was Saturday, now it's Sunday or whatever, day of the week, whatever time, that's your business, All right? So you take time out, there's a blessing, because you love God. It says, I will, the blessing in Isaiah 56, verse 7 says, I will take you to my holy mountain, I will make you joyful in my house of prayer. Your burnt, your burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted at my altar, and my house, my houses, will be called houses of prayer, for all people, so it's going to be multicultural, reverential, holy fear of the Lord, spirit-led. All right, I can teach big on that. I will take you to my holy mountain, that symbol of going there and getting a touch, impartation, a peace, an idea, a wisdom from the sermon or the music or while you're there. A revelation, it's like Moses going up to the mountain where he went on the mountain of the Lord and God spoke to him when he was apart by himself with the Lord. All right. I will take you to my holy mountain. I'll make you joyful in my house of prayer. It won't be a drudgery. You'll like going, doing God's work. All right. 
your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your PhDs, pretty hard days, Paul Hadith will be pleasable, acceptable to the Lord. All this is like amazing. And then it says, because of this, my house is, my house will be a house of prayer for all people, sober, solemn in the right ways, but also loving and joyful and friendly in the other. It'll be all kinds of people, everyone, every kind of person respected. All right, so with that said, now let's look at two people that are huge fe features of the New Testament. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, and Paul. I would say because there's so much dogma, false teaching, TV, prejudice, bias against Jesus. I meet people, I can meet people almost anywhere right now that don't trust Jesus because they met too many of us, you know. I mean, I'm sorry to say not all are like that, but... I have people that I know now that I'm friends with that are like bristle. I mean, they, they're not mad at me. They're my friend. It's like, what have they been through? That's all I want to know. What have these people been through before I meet you? That you're that turned off to the Lord. But I know because I've met some of these same things. All right. So when you read Paul and you read Jesus, let's look at Jesus. All right. If you don't know anything about Jesus or why, you know, how to act and what a Christian is supposed to be like a born again Christian or what is, you know, do you really want to be around him? Do you want to invite him in your heart? Do you want to, you know, why do we fellowship and know Jesus? Right? Then you get, forget about all you heard. You get out your Bible online, your app, your Bible, and you read when Jesus was alive on earth in ministry, his real life with his mother Mary and all the people little kids, everybody around the area, and you read how Jesus acted and reacted in every relationship. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the good news, the Gospels, watch it and see if, was Jesus a racist? Did he respect, disrespect? Did he talk down? Did he curse anybody out? Did he try to control them? Did he call them witches and set up, you know, was he perverse? Was he proud? Was he hierarchical? You better be under me. Was he a Pharisee? No. So you've got to peel back Americana, peel back all the teaching, peel back all the white witch watching, and see, did he really do that? And see what's really real in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how he acted in every relationship. He acted and reacted, and that will tell you. No law, no law. So now let's go to Paul. Apostle Paul is wrote two-thirds of the Bible. Apostle Paul was, they were both from Middle East. He used to be a mean, ornery Pharisee, rules-conscious man. He tried to kill the Christians of the first church. Well, later he met the Lord and was miraculously saved. And he met the Lord and all that Phariseeism just went off of him. He had a love-walk relationship with the Lord. Well, he went over to try to, to hang out with and co-labor with the first church, 12 apostles who had been mentored by Jesus. All right. So he goes there and it didn't go well. They didn't trust him. They didn't think he was mature. He might have had a different kind of vibe than they were accustomed. Now I know what this means because if a move is in the audience that's not well known, then they won't exactly have the toe the line similar move of a move that's already established all these members you know because you can have 
new moves birthing in different stages from the nursery on up. You know, people don't know you're in a move or you don't know it. But there's always a new move. This is only every move God has put in my heart this year to say two things. One, every move of God historically is only the rough draft for the next one. So don't take ourselves so seriously. You know, be careful, but don't be think you've arrived. The other part was he also told me, and this is what I thought of today, and I wasn't going to say it, but he said in April of 2021, he said, The last will be first, and the first will be last to watch out. Watch it. All right. So as we go forth, and I'm for the body of Christ. I'm for everybody I've ever met. I'm not a mean person, but this is the last, maybe the last move, and I'm just very worried about there being a future church and also being real people that love strangers and the lost. Now you got to pre-qualify. You got to pass their scan test. You got to be a man, a white man. You got to be thin. You got to be all these things before they'll even be nice to you. It is just the criteria is so bad that they we got to we got to train it from the bottom line up and that's really love and respect for everybody, anybody, anybody. Everybody, the staff needs to be trained that especially. They're the worst. They could be the worst. Not everywhere, not where I go, not where I go, but other places. You know why? Because there's no fear of the Lord. Proverbs, I've noticed that for what, 20 years, 18 years? No fear of the Lord and love and no fear of the Lord. No love, no fear of the Lord go hand in hand in America. Instead, now you get clubs, you get scanned you get distance from because you're not the they don't understand you because they're off doctrine i just noticed it i think yeah what are they doing i see them being scanned part of the turf i'm gonna watch what they do and study their doctrine that's why i know this and if it doesn't i don't want to hurt people i don't but i'm saying it's more important now that the non-believer meet jesus than the saved saint who's so perfect and skilled Let's put it that way. All right. So now we study Paul. Well, Paul was an outcast. He was the maverick. He was the unwanted because they didn't get him. They didn't want to know him. So he went up after talking with Peter and Barnabas for two weeks. They still think, Paul, you know, you're not good enough. So I, I wondered because I met with this same vibe in the skilled elite. I mean, not everyone's skilled elite, but it's so frustrating. It's pitiful. All right. I thought, you know, Paul was just coming out of being saved. Yeah, he wasn't immature, but he was really knowledgeable. He was, but he wasn't weak. And he did have a vibe that was not handpicked by Jesus. Oh, I'm under the famous Brother Jesus <laughs> movement. Oh, yes, I was handpicked by Sister So-and-so. Oh, okay, we want to follow you. <laughs> That's there. So instead, Paul had his own work. So when that didn't go well, like, a, like an original apostle, organic, true apostle, probably an off-scouring apostle, I understand that. All right, Paul goes up for 14 years. He's not wanted for 14 years by the hand-picked elite who are under Prophet Jesus. <laughs> And so uh, 
after a while he gets his own revelation of the Lord, he comes back and he has a great, in Ephesians 1, 6, he says, uh, he prayed for the churches now that you would have the same more spirit of God's wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of him. That means not your knowledge about him. I read Jesus's books. I know every chapter of famous prophets' lines. <laughs> I know the basic teaching of the famous movements from out of all these different places in California and everywhere else. That's not the same. The original work, the original apostle, is the one that has revelation that's mature for that move. The others are followers, and they do not have the revelation, even though they're wonderful people, most of them. All right. So Paul comes back with the original work. He says, how I got my tons of revelation, Ephesians 1.17, is through time, hanging out with the Lord, but it says, in my knowledge of him, being with him over time, praying. But Paul was not a fair, an accuser. Pharisee, a white witch conscious person. No. Read his doctrine. So we, we want to talk out, when we look at different systems, legalisms, bias that are in the quote churches, we think well where are they, where are they getting that from? Where did they come up with it? Jesus didn't act like that and Paul didn't write like that. He talks community, Ephesians 4, everyone being equal. Ephesians alone is my standard. Ephesians 1 6 accepted in the beloved everybody not pre-qualified stereotyped to be accepted in the beloved that's good old boy that's just plain old good old boy good old girl accepted right. in the beloved Ephesians 1 6 he is our peace who's broken down every wall of partition to make us both one that's racism genderitis divisions of denomination back you know family feuds all the, you know, all this stuff. You know what? I got tired. I'll be honest. I teach this way because I got tired of having word curses put on me, called by the scanner crowd, never speaking, never loving. And I'm sitting quietly. All I did was show up. But see, I know that my call is to deliver it. You know, if a demon manifests, somebody told me it was a pastor, an apostle on the high seas, <laughs> a missionary in the devil cast a nations <laughs> in 2000, in Virginia. He said, Tavo, never be worried if a demon starts to manifest. <laughs> it's just a sign it's ready to be cast out. So that's what I think of. I think, you know, if they flare up, they give, they seize up. If I walk in, I'm quiet. And they seize up and they go, the old deer in the headlight look, I think, uh-oh, it's the witch watcher crowd, the well. Western European Levitical patriarch of overseer shepherding. So I just say it is a time to learn and grow. And I, I mean, really, it's been a giant weirdness because I've never met Baptists aren't like this. Most, what, 85 to 90% of all Christians saved Christians are not like that. It happens to be, because I teach on the spirit, I'm a prophet and I do move in the gifts and I do know the realm of the Holy Spirit as a real prophet apostle, that it must be my turf that I had to know this. It's so dogmatic. I've never met anything this controlling, dogmatic, and sneaky Judas-like in my entire life, but I had to be I had to be um, woman enough to do it.
I didn't know you had to be mean. I didn't know you had to be tough to not let them take you down. And I mean, it's just like a weird, senseless foolishness that goes on in churches. Hebrews 9, that's all, I mean, Hebrews, Hebrews 10.25 shouldn't be this far. It shouldn't be that bad. So we're talking about it, and I'm stirred up. Let them think about themselves and warn people. So if we look at the office prophet, we've got to say, well, Jesus was not like that as a prophet. He was approachable, teachable, laughed. Hebrews 1.9, Jesus had the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows, it says. So this is a lot in one teaching, right? So I'm looking at Jesus as criteria to say, do I really want Jesus? What's my fellowship that says it knows Jesus acting like? And then the next would be Paul, all right? Are they all into the wrong priorities? Making it big, getting blessed, and that's it. Relationships are, nobody cares, they just want their stuff. That's bordering on the from such turn away fellowship right there. That's both of those from such turn away fellowships. Right? If they're not, if they're two-faced, if they are, that's, all right, so I would say with Paul, and you read Ephesians 4, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2.14, he is our peace who's broken down every wall of partition to make us both one. Ephesians 3.19, it says, to know that we're supposed to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It passes love, passage, works, knowledge, and skill. Even gifting, talent, right? If they're not doing it, get out. Why waste your time, right? Ephesians 4 is the big one. Community, nobody knows this. Nobody ever teaches on it. So we'll just remind them and bring it out. Paul says to the churches that are in Asia Minor, pre-Christian times with many kinds of groups and peoples and occult, cult and all this stuff, real people, like today, we're in post, practically, or if we are. So it's the same turf. Paul says in Ephesians 4, for all the Christians, leaders, lay. Walk it out in meekness and lowliness, long-suffering, with everyone endeavoring to keep the bonds of peace. Meekness, lowliness in relationships. Fall off the horse, get back on. Everyone, meekness and lowliness. Not big eye, king or queen potentate, and little bits, you know, servant followers. So be careful. That's all, be careful. All right, everyone walking in meekness and lowliness and long suffering in knowledge of common doctrine, not under the law. Not one preacher saying, you're wearing earrings, you better watch out, you hussy. None of that that we all have heard on TV and on our back of our mind, the cat calling, the name calling, the clubbishness, the cantankerous, ornery, sin-spire, Jezebel. You're unsubmitted because you're not a piece of property like we want you to be in our false teaching doctrine. I studied all this because of all this stuff all my life. Right? 
wait, God is so good. I've had so many good things. I can't tell you. I had so, I have so many good things, but I'm trying to get this out to stir it up for the new years, years, the revival. Ephesians 4. If you know your church, your doctrine, it's huge. Everyone knows common doctrine. Common doctrine are the basic precepts that it means you're a real Christian, you're a valid, real true teacher, prophet, pastor. If you are wondering who is a true teacher, who's a false prophet, who's not, this is helpful. I would advise and counsel that in these last days, it's every person for themselves. Nobody's going to have perfect doctrine. I will not, you will not. Only Jesus has perfect doctrine. Nobody knows it all. Plus, we've got the enemy and false religions and false media, you know, all the media stuff, hype and persona, misogyny still in there, all this stuff. All right, so then you think, well, I've got to, I don't want to be fooled by God's grace. And you read your Bible, you get people that speak into your life that can give you, you know, balance. And you do fellowship in healthy places. Pick healthier places. Be your own noble Berean. If you feel a question, you check them out. Feel a noble Berean that would make Paul and your mama proud. So then we think, well, you know, it says, there is a scripture that says, that even the elect will barely be saved. Think about that. All right. So you need to know that you're free not to have a law, not to have word curses put on you, not to be beaten down because you're spending and everybody's watching you and they're keeping track of you every moment. They're scanning you to unholily invading you. Awful. It is awful. But then you think, well, how much, what is a real true false prophet? Here's my criteria. One. You're going to have to, for yourself, decide your conscience. Let God speak to you. How much false and true doctrine in a true Christian ministry should you go to? It's like a person who's a Christian that believes in going to a lot of movies. I do not. My spirit will not. I do not want to do that. However, I do. I'm not a legalist. Somebody may feel stronger in that area and want feel okay to go here and there. So mine would be that certain people are immature, but they're also more sensitive to false doctrine, and it would be wrong for them, like myself, to be under that, because I know what's going on. You know, in other words, I'm not mad at the people. I understand. I'm not ashamed. I just feel that it's like I paid my dues on this false teaching of cult watching and witch watching. I've paid my dues more than once and forgiven, and I'm, I don't need to put up with it. It's so invasive as a prophet seer who is mature and i don't get that so then you think well here's the bottom line beside the true and false teaching which is subjective to you decide about yourself if they're not the friendly fire fellowships from such turn away that's another part then you need to know that paul says common doctrine here it is this is a real christian and a real pastor, a real teacher, a prophet, apostle, is male or female, black or brown, has to believe this to be true. If they don't even believe one, they're false. So this is their character of real false, real true prophets, not just somebody online saying, oh, you know, those Bible believers, they're into that teaching, they're all false prophets. 
Well, whoever is not confronting them, doing their best to not pray for them, to criticize and make the name for themselves as, oh, yeah, I'm a false prophet spire, you know, I like the publicity, they're false too. So it's everybody for themselves. Sad to say. So then we look at the criteria of Paul. Paul says, community, walking it out meekness and lowly in relationship, a love walk church, which is like the church of Philadelphia, the bride of Christ that God is coming for, Revelation 3. That's like the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then, announcements here. Thank you. So, um, excuse me. So the the one here are the the common doctrines of the first churches. The first church, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all, with grace. All right. So everybody has to, if you're a real Christian, you don't have to be a real Christian now. You don't have to be one if you don't want to be. But I'm telling you, a real Christian does believe this. One Lord, Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father except by him. That's Bible. I just said Bible. One Lord, one faith, the Christian faith. One baptism, baptism with water. Not that it is a legalism, but it is a belief that, you know, when you get baptized you want to please the Lord you wash away your sins I'm not calling the Holy Spirit book of Acts as that baptism because a lot of people do not all call speaking in tongues or having glossolalia the official seminary word they do not call that as the baptism they call it something else infilling all these things so I believe that Jesus was baptized in water Therefore, it is the baptism, all right? So, one Lord, Jesus Christ, one faith, the Christian faith, one baptism, baptism of water, one God, the Father of us all. Well, look at all the different world cultures of colors, skins, styles, energies, vibes, developed in the history of America and the world and the globe and history for eons past. He is a wonderful, artist and he loves variety that's why i like right i like vibes i i can tolerate different energies and it doesn't offend me nothing offends me loud energy quiet energy liturgy falling out on the power if it's really the lord doesn't bother me i can hand i like it i'm interested i'm curious i think wow that's so cool i like africans i like asians i've always liked them i've liked hispanic I like multicultural, I like white ones. My worst nightmare only is the eccentric colonial. Well, do I feel they're bad and evil? No. Am I against men? No. I, you see, I wasn't raised around men like that. I never raised around, I was raised with respectful men, not misogynists. I was, wasn't raised around the good old boys club. I wasn't raised around them. That's why I can say it because I know it ain't the Christian. It's a club. It is a false. You know, I can't talk to the non-Christian about being a good old boy, but I can talk to the minister because that's my turf. Right? It is a contrived, false, cultish, cliquish, clannish, exclusive, and dominating, and biased spirit. It's the boss, big boss spirit. 
So there's no need to use false authority, carnality, witchcraft, emotional avoidance is witchcraft, posturing for power and position is witchcraft, Second Timothy, uh, 1 Samuel 15, 23, any rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and false authority is false authority. Untrue, using your power, your macho, your contrived setting up of the, you know, skilled avoidance. And I mean, this could be women too. Could be black, could be what, but I'm saying I wasn't raised around it, therefore it sticks out at me like a red flag. I'm an upfront person always, and what you see is what you're going to get. I feel like a teenager. I don't have to act like one, but I feel the joy of just the celebration. So I think it's so awful. It's really offensive, and I'm not offended, but it's so offensive to the name of Jesus to put all this hoop jumping and paraphernalia in the waters of the Holy Spirit and of fellowshipping with the saints. That's what I'm teaching. And I believe that me being outside of a famous in other words, having a more casual, down-to-earth, everyday kind of person approach and look is symbolic of this new move. It is really symbolic. So when you're going to look toward who and what is true, it's up to you how far you go with read through Paul. He doesn't look for witches. He's not a biased misogynist. He's not a cult owner. He's not a... A person who dominates or keeps track of your every move or spreads rumors and neither was Jesus. None of this was anything like what we see right now. It's diseased. I hate to say it. It's a lot of disease. Why is it diseased? Because it's a false counterfeit. It's based on persona and hoop jumping persona my for and no more make sure we get our system working well well oiled Levitical patriarch produces systems clans cliques clubs and tribes of elite turf protectors now i've been around different kinds of tongue talkers out in many states dallas virginia florida i mean i've been around in non-tongue talkers too but also many kinds of christians and i hate to say it the old good old boy good old person is really usually whether they're whelp or not they're very well-meaning and very some, some can be very nice and really talented and they are but the fruit isn't all their knowledge and their speaking it's the relationship factor the holy fear of the lord the relationship respect factor this is the big deal why bother to go if you're treated looked scanned up and down and sized up oh it's only a woman by some immature title baron <laughs> bossy title baron or look oh she's single she's easy prey must be needy that's there. Horrible. Or if you have, oh, look, a new visitor. She's mine. Oh, good. She's now under us. That's there. Oh, that's why I kept visiting, quit visiting in Dallas. I really did. I got a piece of meat. 
We put up the online fellowship in 2015, way long before COVID. We had our reasons. I've been in ministry. I've been in ministry since the 70s, right? And then I had had my own public minister around the region of Virginia for 15, 20 years before I came to for Dallas. That was in the 80s and 90s. And then in the 2000s, around 2004, I still was in Virginia. And then I came out to Dallas for 15 long years. I paid, <laughs> paid a price to do this. So we're not mad. We're not angry. We're happy. But I've never been happier than not being around the cult spirit. <laughs> I tell you, it took me a while. I was I didn't realize I had really loved a group, but it turned out it was the same thing I found in Dallas, basically the Welp cult famous group. And so I realized that when I'm there, I'm their, their typecast, I'm their spiritual, I stir them up, I trigger well. And uh, I, for a while there, I thought, oh, look, they've grown up, because I knew them years ago, decades ago, and I thought they had welped in. Anti, just, you know, anti-woman stuff. But then on the other hand, I thought, oh, look, they've gotten the tour, so have I, you know, that's wonderful. All of a sudden I realized, sorry. They're proud, scanned, steely stand. Don't you, don't you dare be friendly. Oh, they'll go. <laughs> it's really bad. And you know what I noticed? Who does that? When the top head person, it was the younger ones, younger than me. It's they're when they're younger than me, they don't know anything. They have only grown up with, I guess, famous celebrity. I don't know, fabulous. They've only grown up with fabulous, and now they expect everyone to be famous before they'll be nice. So I'm really saying things. Why? Because it's not just here. It's not just there. It's not just this past year. It is, it is around. It's a circus in America for how many years? 20 years. It's been a circus in America. In 1996, and i got to close. 1996 in Virginia before all this big stuff of the last 15 years. I remember noticing this at my own ministry and you know building and everything. But I noticed all this other kinds of doctrines in the area and I went, wow, I've never been around this whelp. I didn't know it was whelp back then, but that was the same thing, keeping track of everybody's business. So then I went, that is amazing. There, for the grace of God, go I. But I thought, I'm not under their ministry, and they they feel entitled to think I am. I had been there before, and I'm quiet, very soft-spoken, usually told Dallas, maybe. But I figured I mind my business. They should be minding theirs. I don't mind their business, but it turned out I didn't realize they were minding my business. How many? Eight to ten. But I had, I had been there before Welp came, and I had already had my board, but they didn't believe me. They didn't want to know. They wanted a target. They wanted, it's really just not healthy. And I didn't realize, I, you know, because I'd raised, so people were sane, people were respectful in basic ministry that I knew. And I was a couple, but I was still alone because the, the you know father of my children was a businessman who didn't feel led. He just said, "Go ahead and do it. I'll do it. I do." And it was fine. Worked it out. 
But I didn't realize now, and now I know, a lot of people in ministry are really chauvinist biased against the lone woman. And I'm not tolerating it. It's a Jezebel. There's a lot of Jezebel spirit, which is controlling false teaching and domination that is used to enforce false authority. So I've just got where I'm, you know, I, I have a human's ministry. I've never had a woman's ministry. I've always had men and women. It's just, I just have never had to be this tough on the sake of the gospel to get it out. It is not easy when you have people that say they know Jesus, whose hearts are dark, anti-woman praying against you, speaking against you, false counsel, not two-faced, not saying, oh, I've got a problem with you. And you'd, I'd say, well, then let's talk. Let's Matthew 18, 15. Let's submit to God's whole counsel. Galatians 6, 1. I'm okay. You can ask me. You can tell, ask me anything. Really. You always could have. But instead, it's more melodramatic. It's more proud. It's more, oh, it's me. I'm a big hotshot authority, papal authority, to say, let's just, it's only a woman a little woman, and let's just gossip and character assassinate. But I know that because I'm a seer, I know they're doing it, so I just had to, you know, live with it and understand that that's part of the turf. Part of the barf turf. Why do people stay home? Now we know. And therefore I teach from that, knowing that I have great empathy and respect for people in ministry, but I have a lot of respect for people that have been cursed by these kinds of same ministry it's not saying trying to worship in certain quarters with certain styles and it's sad that those leaders are in a world of their own in a dream world they don't know what's going on at the bottom part where rubber meets the road real life people come in want to be saved, need to be saved, and these people are tolerating it and institutionalizing all this hoopla. It's like Hades to visit the fault-finding Friendly Fire Fellowships. It is. So on behalf of the good people, the really good people, the remnant, I'm teaching this to let them know they're not all stupid. In you, Triggerman, it's the false teaching. It is not you that is, it is the misogynist, it is the anti-woman, poor me, victim type of, you know, false teaching. So I can think of Florida, I can think of Tampa, Orlando, the Panhandle, I can think of good things, a lot of good things, but I could also know your doctrine is that the same thing. White witch watch. I would speak down there before Dallas, I spoke in Tampa, I would go also study the body and everything. And I had a female pastor, I was staying with her after I spoke and ministered, I did worship workshops and stuff. And she said, you know, that so-and-so group has a witch list at their head, national headquarters. And I went, I met those in Virginia, the same kind. It's just so fatiguing. It's just so worrisome for the sake of not me, not me. The body of Christ, the innocent people, many people, volumes of people that are not knowing that what is attacking them and robbing them and is vilifying and negating the 
presence of the Holy Spirit by your mixing in all this clubby mixture. So on my journey, I learned there are three kinds, and I've got to close. I learned there are three kinds of basic office ministers, Ephesians 4 office ministers in the nations of the world today. If we break it down by fruit of character and their lifestyle, there would be the Enoch first love lifestyle of Genesis 5, walking and talking with God daily like Jesus did in the garden, checking out with God, getting led of the Holy Spirit, being very repentant in a fear of the Lord. The first love lifestyle would be like an Enoch nature. The second would be Demas. Paul said Demas has left the ministry he loved the things of this present world more than he loved the call of God. That's what we got, the money-maker achievers, and it's about mammon-centric. Right? Then we got the worst. The worst one is 1 Samuel, Eli, Temple A priesthood, and his two sons of the devil, Belial, or however you pronounce it, Hophni and Phinehas. The old, good old boys will be boys, clubby network where they are users, abusers, and accusers of females and money, God's money. And that is the group, the character of the group I've really felt concerned about because I ran into a couple of them, a few of them, misogynist as well, in Dallas, other places. And my concern was for them that if they don't repent, God is going to, it was just like similar to Eli. Eli was in power in authority for God's houses and his two sons, he was permissive, he tolerated, didn't set them straight. And they were so evil that God sent an unknown, famous, not famous, but faceless, nameless prophet out of the woodwork to give the word of the Lord, Ichabod, to Eli. Ichabod, your sons, you're going to be out. Your whole family will never sit in ministry again. And Ichabod means the glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. Well, I believe the glory of the Lord has departed a lot. And some of these types of ministry, some of these styles, and they don't even know it. They wouldn't even recognize it because they're used to being famous. Not all. Not all famous are like this. I know the doctrine because I'm in the group, you know. It's not. Only the occult style are the worst. The occult style the occult psychic style so i'd caution them and cult perhaps but occult and psychic are out and also eli misogyny when we look at who's who and who's true and who's not you got to know your bible right now you got to know your bible and you got to pick it apart and not be loving not be mean but you got to think right now every person for themselves i have felt defiled I have felt as a seasoned office prophet in some of this last Messiah, it's a turn of events, last few years, I came out of GFW feeling defiled. I feel like I need cleansing. I needed healing. I needed cleansing. But I also know that I don't always, I have another side to me that is just joyful and happy, very mirthful. But when I give the ministry of the Lord, I'll do whatever he says, whatever it takes. This is a white crowd I'm talking to. So then I come up here and I think, man, I just need to get in with some good community and Christians and take off and get uh, over Dallas and get healed back and get find my new person again. And I was doing that, but then it was the defiling false cult 
that was projecting their, you know, invading, defiling me again. And I don't think they know this. That's why I'm teaching it this forcefully. They're doing it not to me, not just to me, but many. They're, they don't know they have false teaching, maybe. And it's misogynistic. It's biased and typecasting. And that's why I'm teaching it forcefully so they don't get penalized by God. <clears throat> I don't want them to, you know, go. So if you have any questions and you want to laugh and have fun, I'm open to it. If you want to just, you know, discuss my doctrine, my teaching, I'm teaching for a future church. And I believe we need to laugh and have fun and take time off and see. I would go as a senior office myself. I know what goes on in my own call. I go fellowship to take off from it, frankly, and see other people. So when I come, I'm an office, I'm your friend. I just didn't realize it till Dallas and now. If you're not famous in these same groups, you're like dirt. You're just like a piece of dirt. They only want the clubs, clans, clique style. They only want people they recognize or that is friends with the top. It is sad. It is very, very disconcerting. It's patriarchal. It really is. So we're not a whelp. Western European Levitical Patriarch or Whelm, the Matriarch female, I am a maven. A maven is a connoisseur, and I'm a connoisseur of doctrine. Theological maven, that's me. So if I go in and I stir up the well spirit, and it's a woman, man, they are the fiercest, they're the meanest, they're like, it's like they begrudge. I think they're so poisoned. A lot of people are swallowing the Kool-Aid. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. I thought of this when I was 40. Now, I look young for my age. I don't know what I look like right now, but I always have looked younger than my, I feel younger for my age. I don't feel my age at all. <coughs> when I was 40 and I looked really young, I went in. How do I say it? I had my own senior ministry before these people came to town, this ministry. And it turned out later in hindsight it was a welt witch-watching ministry. But I didn't know all that I know today and how savage they are, certain ones more than others. So I had been saying at all these pastors' meetings, I'm a pastor, and I was a parachurch then. Now I am a pastor, officially. Better be watchful and an apostle. And so I went in, because I was always with the senior authorities and invited to all their gatherings and prayer meetings, many of them great black and white racial healing types. So I went in and I would call people by their first name. So I went in age 40 after being experienced. And I went into this, turned out the Welt Bastion, many Welt Bastion. <laughs> and the, one of the helpers was there. He, it turns out he swallowed the Kool-Aid. So I went in and said, is so-and-so there by his first name? And this young immature and weak looking whippersnapper said, <laughs> who's like 26, he said, you call him Pastor so-and-so, just like that. And see, I didn't, I was much more calm, much more, much more insecure my call back then. And I was not elevated and famous, and I still am not, and that's fine. I don't want to, don't need to be, I just want to be myself. And I didn't realize how the Kool-Aid of different ministry, that that, young, that person who is out of order, I should have risen up, but I didn't know. 
I should have said, don't say that to me. I'm an office pastor. I am. I have my own ministry. I'm not under you. But see, that's it. They all think they're over me. <laughs> I walk in. Must be this. Must be this. Whatever. She's ours. She's not submitted. She's not submitted. But they never talk to me about it. They just presume I am unsubmitted. <laughs> Therefore, I'm a noble Berean. Historical noble Berean. But a calm one. Pretty happy. So I guess my favorite kind of uh, fellowship is not with it. <laughs> the Friendly Fire Tribe. My favorite kind of fellowshipping with the saints is anywhere you can find a saint, I'm ready to fellowship. And even the non-Christians, I like fellowshipping with them. Maybe even more. Because they're not so, I don't know, they're not so biased against me. In Dallas, I was, I was thinking, man, what is this about DFW? And, in the Christian tongue talk and sense, oh, achievement was the big issue. <laughs> big achievement. <laughs> Relationship, nope. Down at the zero, one percent level, and achievement was at that 99%. So I didn't really quite feel at home, but I would go to what I called the Barista Fellowships because they were very, you know, professional, friendly. And I realized that I was being talking to all these people with a very liberal, very Democrat, very, you know, other religions, not Christian. And we got along great. And I thought, what is this? And I went, oh, I know what it is. If they say they're a Hindu and they're really passionate, I really like hearing what they have to say. Because they're not lukewarm like the other Christians. They at least are the same person twice not biting my back, at least they tell me to my face. The Hindu, the Buddhist, the pagan, the tarot card reader, the people transitioning in their gender, the LGBT, none of those are ashamed of their gospel. <laughs> you understand? So I got, I grew up. I thought, listen, hell is forever. And our group of so forth, what are these Christians are, bombastic Christians, prosperous Christians have need of nothing, not even God or the holy fear of the Lord, not even the Holy Spirit. They're too embarrassed, I guess. They don't even love enough to care and respect the normal, average, cross-the-board, black, white, brown, atypical human. They really don't care. They really don't care. There is love lost. And that's why I left and moved out. But as I say it, I'm not naming names. I'm not accusing all the kinds that keep talking tongues, all the good old boys, all the gentrified. I'm not accusing them at all. I'm stirring it up because they don't think anything about their own. They have their own... Their own warped things playing in their head for the last 30 years or five years, 10 years, it looks like. So if I say it, I say it like this on purpose to shake them up. Faithful are the wounds of a true friend, Proverbs 27, 6. And then I caution them that even Jesus Christ, the sweet infant Christ, the sweet baby Jesus, as we love to think of him, grew up and he noticed that a lot of people were being affected 
by the Pharisee temple, the system, the money chasing system. And Jesus said, you know what? My father's house is not the house of prayer for all people like Isaiah 56 verse 7. It's now money centric, keeping it running, keeping it going, getting your algorithm so it all comes in right. And that's why I caution them and I leave with these words. I love you enough to say it. I would have talked to you in your face, but you blustered, you know, you just were the frozen chosen. But Matthew 18, 15, see the Matthew 7, 22 has come to my mind about this group. It's carrying a cross. On the other hand, I've grown up and thrived despite it, all right? But Matthew 7, 5, Matthew 7, 22, 23 says that Jesus said on the last day, he'll say to some of these, many will say, Lord, Lord, did I prophesy, do wonder-working power, do all these things your name is. Talking to the Book of Acts group, reminder that. Didn't I do all this stuff in your name, which watching included? Didn't I do all this stuff in your name? And he'll say, out with you. And there'll be many. I mean, picture many of the eons of this. All right? Many will say, not a few, not a, but a many will say, all right? Depart from me, you never knew me. I never knew you. Out with you, you who work iniquity. Well, iniquity means lawlessness. Out with you, you who work lawlessness in my name. Lawlessness, according to Strong's, Strong's uh, Bible Dictionary, says lawlessness means false authority. That's the big one. That's the big thing, false authority. And a lot of this stuff we're talking about that I've been seeing around the cult stuff and the cult things is witchcraft. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, which is false authority. So watch out. God is good. His mercy endures on you and me. And Lord, we just need to start again. All of us just get over it, repent, and let's start again for a future church. Let's make it fun. It's happening with you or without you. It really is. But I'm for you all everybody but god has to tell you what to do and not to do and how to do it god bless you this is tablet drc contact me if you want to talk and my uh tcl leadership tcl leadership at gmail.com god bless you